jeez, shit was all the way up. Check, 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 check. I feel like there's a there's a gremlin that comes into my office and turns turns my gain all the way up on my mic. Yep. That's that's not uh, the gremlin named Vince probably. Oh man, Vince. it's your cat, man. I know. It could be. He's acting out because we have a dog now. <clears throat> I would too. Yeah. If I'm being if I'm being straight with you, if we're talking straight right now and roll up and die. Barker, wh- Barker, when are we? Did I mean, we I th- we can be accused of a lot of things. People could say any multitude of things about us disparagingly, but no one can ever say that we're not straight here. It's Sunday, March thirteenth, twenty sixteen, and you're listening to episode thirty-eight of Roll Up and Die. Hello, uh, can we have your liver? What? Your liver? It's a large uh, glandular organ in your abdomen. You know, it's uh, it's reddish brown. It's sort of uh... yeah, yeah. I know what it is, but I'm using it. Come on, sir! Don't, don't muck us about. Uh, What's this then? I live it on his card. Need we say more? No. Listen. I can't give it you now. It's in the event of death. Oh, no one who's ever had their liver taken out by us has survived. Just lie there, so it won't take a minute. It's just something I enjoy doing now, and Tila mm. likes cooking too, so it's something that we can do together, and it's really fun. And um, and I know that Barker, you're kind of you're doing the Blue Apron thing now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The uh, Blue Apron is like an, a fun subscription based service where they will um, every Thursday you'll get a package at your door. I think have I talked about this on Roll Up and Die yet? Last I week. Don't kn- Oh, you did last really? week. I wasn't was it last here. week? I wasn't here, so I was I was totally just like, hey, Barker, talk about Blue Apron. And you're like, <laughs> thanks for, I thanks already for stepping in, Alex. It, <laughs> Intercepted. Intercepted. <laughs> oh, and Alex with the interception. But partway into the, the description, I was like, I feel like this is the weirdest deja vu I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and it makes sense. They're yeah. our new sponsor, apparently. Yeah, yeah. yeah Blue I'm, Apron. Yeah. Sponsored by Blue Apron. No, but I just I I really enjoy cooking. It's something that is it's kind of a it's like almost kind of meditative for me because mm. I really have to focus on what I'm doing, and so it it allows me to kind of decompress after work. And yeah. all of a sudden, I'm not thinking about what I left sitting on my desk that I need to do tomorrow. I'm thinking about okay, got to make sure this steak is done. Oh, I got to check the spinach or whatever. You know, it's like I got, nice. I really have to focus, and it's almost kind of zen like for me. So I really yeah. enjoy it. That's awesome. And one of the things I've learned uh, through cooking, like you mentioned, you know, after a while of cooking, you begin to uh, get the patterns. You begin yes. to learn what goes well with what and how long things should cook with what. And you become kind of like a machine. And um, I guess my little thing that people might not know is that uh, I know how to serve drinks. I know how to make really good mixed drinks because I used to work in a bar. And it's very similar with a mixed drink, you yeah. know, because. Uh, all the mixed drinks have this a very similar pattern, you know, an ounce of alcohol, an ounce of flavored alcohol, a splash of juice or whatever, mm-hmm. and then fill the glass, you know. So um, the same thing goes with, you know, cooking is what I'm realizing. Yeah. Is that, you know, well, well I'm, I'm not an expert, but no, I do but watch Chef Ramsay. <laughs> it's all about it's all about balance. You know, it's like it's the same thing with making a drink or hmm. making a meal or <clears> like uh even like mixing a song or anything really it's like yeah. you, there needs to be a balance not there can't be one thing that's overtaking all of the other stuff and like any any meal that you've had where you're like whoa this is good like this is one of the better meals i've had mm. that's like that's it means that there's a there's a balance of flavors you know you get the you got the sweet and the salty and the savory and yep. maybe there's a nice creaminess to it but it's also hearty and things like that so it's just it's <laughs> it's fun to find that balance you know i find yeah it, yeah did you guys ever see the, sure. the movie once upon a time in mexico it yes. was a, it was a sequel to desperado well, yes, it, one I of my favorite i love robert rodriguez he's a, a amazing director but yeah, he he did a, he did an extra on the DVD where he does he he shows how to cook that the the dish in the movie, uh, puerco oh, pibil, yeah. 
and and, right. and and he does this whole cooking thing about it, and and he you know he's talking about tips about cooking, and one of the things he said which was really neat I thought, which was, you know, learn to cook you know, five or six or seven things really really well, and then actually like print up little menus and laminate them and, and keep them in your house for when guests come over, and they can kind of like this this is your menu you can pick from this you know that's awesome yeah it that's was so it, it cool. was just a really neat idea to. You know, you, you don't have to be. That's you don't have to be good rad. at cooking everything. You just have to be good at cooking. You know, certain things. Yeah, then, seven things, one for each day. You can impress anybody. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So anytime someone no, shows dude, up, that's it's like, absolutely right. And that, like, if you if you know like five or six basic dishes, yeah. you can like you can do different things to them to make them completely different. It's like I know how to make a really good roast chicken. I can make like a thousand different meals using roast chicken like i can i can just roast it off and do some veggies i can shred it up and do like tacos it's like you can do so many things with just those basic recipes yeah and and like you guys were kind of saying you know once once you have the basic feel and taste of you know how ingredients work together um then you can start winging it you know you start by learning the recipes you know just stick to the recipes don't 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 go don't don't go off uh, off script but then you know once once you get the hang of it and start doing more, then 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 you can start to you know experiment. And that's that's for me like one of the most rewarding things about cooking is when is when you try something like that and it works out like better than you could have anticipated. Where you're like, oh, yeah. this is really good. Like I think when I was when I was first starting out cooking and I was learning some really basic recipes and I was making mashed potatoes, and I added you know the 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 milk and the butter and the salt and the pepper and I'm and I'm mashing up these potatoes and I go. I'm going to add some sour cream to these potatoes. And this was before, yeah. like, I knew, like, oh, that's a pretty normal thing to do. But I thought, you know, sour cream's really good in baked potatoes. Yeah. I bet it'd be really good if you mix And I put sour cream in there, and they were just, like, the best mashed potatoes yeah. I'd ever had. They were so creamy and delicious. Oh, my God. Sour cream and potatoes is awesome. Yeah, man. Great combination. Okay. Well, the cool thing about what you said, Alex, is if you know how to cook four things really yeah. well, the people who eat your food will think you know how to cook <laughs> 50 things. Like a really thousand well. things. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's all you need is the four things just to put up a nice solid deception. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just to create a front, really. Uh, yeah. a, uh, you know, a facade of being good at something. And the yeah. people, now, the now people are like, this, yeah, I, I've been to his house so many times and I've never eaten the same thing. And then it zooms in on your face and you go, Shh. <laughs> I'll never tell. <laughs> you never. You can. You're only allowed to eat over four times. No and then more you're than cut that. Off. And then you're cut off. You've you've, you've mooched <laughs> enough. Yeah. Of cooking. Get out. So all of this though makes me wonder, Alex. Yes. What's the thing that we don't know that you're good at? <sighs> uh, let's see. Well, I, you know, you know, I do graphic design. You know, I do blacksmithing. You know, I uh, I mentioned I cook. Um, and uh, what mm. else? Um, I, I I remember movie dialogue really really well. It's it's uh, my uh, my useless superpower. Um, <laughs> nice. I'm always correcting people when they quote a movie. I'm like, no no, actually it was like this. You know, <laughs> it was, the it, I am your father line. Yeah right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I, I, it, it, it's really annoying. Uh, oh I, I I do uh, I do carpentry. Um, I do that pretty well. I like I like to build uh, really sturdy furniture, like. I love building out of nice. two by fours and four by fours. You know, if if I'm going to build a desk, it's going to be you know big enough to withstand a, a, a tactical nuclear strike. You know, I, I like um, <laughs> just in case. Well, yeah, just in case. Uh, of course, I'm 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 old, so I'm from the duck and cover generation. So, right, like, yeah, just like in like case like getting inside to nuclear. Well, yeah, because getting yeah. In, because getting into your desk is going to protect you during a nuclear strike, as they as they told right. us in, in school. But um, <laughs> no, I, like I ma- I made my bed. Uh, which is a uh, I used uh, you know logs that I cut from the land and and I got uh, you basically just kind of carve the ends so they all fit together like a like a puzzle um, right. yeah so I, I, I do woodworking I, bu- I built my house so that 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 was uh, that, that was pretty is awesome I, I don't think I knew that you built your yeah. house I knew that you lived in a yurt but I always just assumed it was one of those like Oh look! There's a one foot by one foot box. Pull the string, and the boom, 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 <laughs> there's a yurt. No, no. I mean, the the covering for the yurt was was pre-made. I helped, uh, uh, you know, the guy who delivered it to us. We assembled the yurt, but I had to build a platform for it to go on, and I built eight feet off the ground, and, uh, um, you know, and then later on I enclosed it. Uh, we had to pour the the concrete uh, platform that it's on. Uh, that was a lot of fun because. 
they sh- well, that's a long story. But the point is, I, I, I almost died doing that. And oh, uh, but oh, yeah, wow. no, I, I I built my house, built almost my furniture. Um, yeah, that's just so. incredible to me, man. That's like my father-in-law is he does woodworking, and he the, my in-laws built their house, and every time I go over, I like think I like they built it. Like, how do you even start? Like, where? <laughs> Where do you start? How do you know? How do you, how do you know what to do? I'm like, I can't figure out how to hang a freaking framed picture on the wall. It like boggles my mind trying to figure out how to center it on the wall. I'm like, okay, but the screws in three inches, but the frames five inches out. I don't get it. I'm like, I would, I would be completely lost if someone was like, all right, here's all the resources and the land to build a house. Go. I'd be like, I, you better believe I'm making a teepee out of these out of these wood beams, bro. I'm, I'm going to be living in a teepee. It was pretty funny when when I first got here. It was just it was just an empty field. Now we there there were there were telephone bolts coming down the driveway, and uh, so we had power coming down to here. Uh, so the power company had hooked up a little power box on the outside of the telephone pole, and, and there was a a little box with a phone jack, you know. So mm-hmm. for for about a week, I was I was I was I was in a little tent. And I had a, a milk crate sitting outside the tent with a phone on it, with the cord running running to the telephone pole in the middle of this empty field. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. The first call I got was a sales call. Like, oh no <laughs> way! Asking asking me about something from my home, and I'm I'm sitting here in an empty field on just a phone. Yeah. And it was it, 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 I just, I loved the uh, the irony of that. You're like, sir, you're never gonna believe where <laughs> yeah. I am right now. It's like, I don't want to buy anything from you, but I'd love to talk with you for about 20 minutes because I'm so excited that this is happening. God, that's amazing, man. That is amazing. I mean, I've been looking for a segue for a little while, but I can't really find well, one anybody. I had one, uh, I had one but, it passed, but it passed this by. Something about, ah, dang it. Uh, something about a, a recipe for, for evil or something like that. But. Yeah, I was, thinking, I was thinking maybe we could yeah. say, like, oh, you know, everything has to be balanced, like even a villain. Yeah. has to be balanced they have to have the right balance of of you know flaws and strengths and and uh sweet and sour sweet and sour salty <laughs> umami you know to make them truly <laughs> nice. see i was just gonna say the word villain right ah villain and, and just let it hang in the air heavy villain <laughs> and then end it drop the mic episode's over Welcome everybody to Roll Up and Die, your uh, second villainous RPG podcast, I suppose. Uh, my name is Barker, and my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice, and my name is Alex, aka Captain Gothnog. And sometimes I don't do the intro introductions; I only do the outro ones. I, I just I'm keeping myself on my toes. I guess. Actually, I think you have the worst time when Matt's not here. When Matt's here, you, 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 you seem to be usually on point with that. But when we have a guest, like uh, when we had Rob, it was. Uh, it, oh, really? it, seemed, it seemed harder, yeah. It's because I'm the glue that holds everyone together. Man. <laughs> You're on to me. <laughs> I don't know, man. There was one time. There was one time you were gone, and we had a, an episode. I can't remember who was here, but I was. Oh, it was with Jenny Green, and it was like six in the morning for me, oh. and I was just the. It was the worst. Oh yeah, I listened to that on my road trip, and I was like, Barker is off his game. <laughs> like there is. <laughs> I was still dreaming. I was. I would blink, and I would be back. On planet Iron Maiden, like, riding my unicorn. You're like, guys, I'm actually currently in have the you, middle of a REM cycle that? right now, so if you just give me a second, I gotta finish this cycle, and then I'll be good to go. We're talking about dreams and RPGs today. It's a very immersive subject. Barker's oh. having one right now. But no, today we're actually going to continue last week's subject of villains mm. and uh, making them more dimensional and awesome. And um, and I think it's. You know, we wanted to do a part two for a couple of reasons. Part two is probably not going to be the norm. We like, mm. you know, keeping them separate. At least I do. I think it's neat to have the occasional second two-parter. Oh, yeah. But Matt wasn't here. Mm-hmm. So we kind of got to do a two-parter so we can hear your thoughts on them, uh, on villains. Right. Also, we there were a lot of questions. So we yeah. kind of want to jump in and answer some of those questions that you guys had the same way we did uh, the previous episode before the villains one. Absolutely. And we, and we have a new batch of questions as well, so... Yes, we have a whole new batch of questions. Yeah. And Matt, you want to you brought up something else that you might want to talk about. Do you want to kick it off with that new type of villain subject? Oh, yeah. Well, something I thought that would be kind of interesting. I mean, obviously on Roll Up and Die, we we mostly talk about fantasy stuff, but you know, mm. we delve into sci-fi and all kinds of different genres, and I think it would be cool if we 
if we take at least a few minutes and talk about uh, modern villains, like a villain yeah. in a Call of Cthulhu game or, or a modern, you know, in our current time game or even mm-hmm. in the distant future game, like how, how would a villain <clears throat> uh, like that differ, if at all, from a fantasy villain? And I, I'm not convinced that they have to differ at all. I think, Alex, you, you mentioned in our chat, like, I don't think they would be different. I think they would have different tools at their disposal. And I think that's... Like, that's a good way of looking at it, but I didn't know if you guys had any thoughts on that. I'm wondering if we can actually come up with a, a difference yeah. that there could be outside of the tools. It does have to be. I mean, so a lot of it can be based on on uh, a culture or, or society, of course. Like, I guess what, what might be considered evil now would be, you know, uh, may not be that evil later on. You know, it's right. like... It, at least in movies, uh, since we're kind of talking about you know something cinematic, you know, evil guys tend to get ramped up as as time goes on to the point where, you know, it just keeps getting uh, more and more intense. I guess, mm-hmm. um, just from that yeah. perspective. But uh, right. as far as different different genre villains, um, I guess it makes me wonder like, <clears throat> what's the difference? between Hans Gruber mm-hmm. right and mm, you know Grima Wormtongue you right. know beside the fact that they didn't do you know the same sort of thing right um like what what is a difference between the two that's other than the tools at their disposal and how do you, like, if you're saying, all right, I got a villain here, and it's going to be in a modern setting, and I really want to emphasize the modernness of the villain, mm-hmm. is that really yeah. a thing? I, I would say so. I mean, in your example of Hans Gruber, he used <clears throat> different sorts of devices and technology and, like, really, like, precision planning mm-hmm. to do this takeover. I mean, he's got, you know, guys hacking into the system to take yeah. down the alarm, and he's got a guy in the drill going into the vault and, you know... Uh, all kinds of different stuff like that but uh, like your point barker like there really isn't a a fundamental difference between a character uh, in our modern day and a character in like a medieval fantasy setting because motivations like character motivations are usually pretty simple at their base you know what i mean like it's usually yeah, pretty right. like pretty like carnal kind of uh almost <clears throat> primeval sort of needs and wants yeah and another good example is like uh take like darth vader versus like arthas the lich king very very oh, similar man. characters you know in completely yeah. different settings but very yeah. similar motivations very similar conflicts you know i've always you know uh, when i I, f- I just recently played warcraft 3 for the first time mm-hmm. and arthas mm-hmm. is like anakin he is absolutely like, yeah that's yeah. yeah, a really good really good analogy but what well, uh, I think if there's a, I think Al- if there's a difference ahead. that maybe um, modern or future villains have to be a lot smarter mm-hmm. because the technology that can be used to tr- you know to catch them is going to be much much uh, much more sophisticated so it, ta- it takes it takes a, it takes a lot more to kind of get around it you know you can't just have a yeah. thug like in a in a D and D fantasy setting, you can just have a thug who's really strong and and you know he can terrorize his followers and raise an army and essentially you know take over a landscape. Um, for that to happen in a modern setting, they have to have some other kind of power. Yeah, they right. they need to be able to kill people and and all that kind of thing. But they need to have you know p- maybe some more political power now because they have to be able to keep themselves out of jail, kind of like the mob, you know. So you have to be able to um, pay people off. So the, so that you know that the police force doesn't come after you and, and that sort of thing, and right. then of course in the future you can look at things like they're going to have all sorts of of technology that can um, you know track you down that can you know read DNA off of a fingerprint and and that sort of thing which makes it even harder now to get around that. So it, it, the the level of villain kind of has to change with the technology they have to be they have to be able to get around yeah. getting caught yeah that's a really good point i think if you're talking a fantasy a fantasy setting that's an awesome point alex and you kind of made me think that if you're talking about a fantasy setting a lot of the villains require this 
power. And it's a very tangible mm-hmm. power in this case. The power to control someone's mind, the power to launch fireballs, the power to swing mm-hmm. this axe really, really hard. Uh, when you get into a modern setting, it's, you know, the power of the mind. Mm-hmm. A person with all this technology at their disposal, yes, it's tools, and, and I'm beginning to think that tools kind of make the villain yeah. themselves. Uh, tools, uh, not only physical <clears> items, <throat> but the people that they use, the way they use them, you know, the tools kind of define your villain in a way. Right. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned future as well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as you move through time, and, and, and maybe uh, like from, you know, fantasy or medieval setting to modern to future, I feel like the villain starts to become the system itself. Mm. Right. And easily, like in my mind. And and what I mean is like, uh, like you mentioned, you know, oh, DNA. Gosh, how is a villain ever going to get past that? Well, maybe the villain controls the, the DNA right. scans. You know, maybe we're talking Big Brother or something like that. And maybe, and I, I want to hear your thoughts on this, maybe that's because we live in a time and place where, you know, a, many of the evils in this world are in power yeah like the powers that be so maybe it's easier to just kind of toss that into a modern setting but for some reason not so much in a fantasy setting hmm yeah i think so well and i think the other thing too is like if you have a fantasy setting obviously this depends on the level of magic and all and the level of technology in your fantasy setting but if you're if you're a warlord like you could you could probably like strike out and take over quite a bit of landmass before a neighboring country hears about it. Like it would right. be months before anyone's like, "Oh, hey, uh, this place got taken over." <clears throat> it's like because it's like two hundred miles yeah. away. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So with, with a modern uh, setting, it would be like you're saying, Alex. It would be a global thing where it's like you got to escape law enforcement. They're going to track you with satellites and like drones and stuff. Like there's there's a lot. You have to be a lot more cunning and a lot more uh, able to work within the system. Yeah. And I think a, another good example is like uh, the character of Bane from Dark Knight Rises, mm-hmm. who is incredibly strong, incredibly uh, just uh, amazing fighter, can take on anybody single-handed, but he's also just one of the smartest guys around and is able to yeah. you know outsmart everyone at every turn and be like, Oh hey, uh, you know this uh, secret storehouse of weapons you have? Yeah, I figured out mm-hmm. where it was, and I put bombs underneath it. And we're gonna take all your shit. Yeah, and that sucks. and there are different levels of of intelligent villain too. Like if you have someone like a Hannibal Lecter, who um, in uh, in Silence of the Lambs, he you know he talk you know he basically gets upset with his you know next door cellmate, mm-hmm. and so just by whispering to him, he gets the guy to kill himself. Right. You know, he's 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 brilliant enough where he can manipulate this guy's own psychology against him and, you know, basically make him take make him take his own life. I mean, that is terrifying mm-hmm. that you have someone yeah. that that smart um, uh, who, you know, because that's where that's where Lecter's power is in in uh, understanding the, 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 the human mind and, and uh, its fears and, and uh, motivations, that sort of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and uh, but then you have other ones who may be brilliant hackers or brilliant other things. And I, I think kind of what we're, what, we're, what we're seeing here is that the the more modern a society, the more, like, like Barker was kind of talking about, the villain has to, you know, um, what's what I'm looking for, infiltrate and become part of the system, you know, in order to get right. around it, yeah. you know. I think at the very least that's just a really – easy way i don't want to say like cliche mm-hmm. or scapegoat way to do it but i mean it's just a very simple way to to throw in a really good villain into your world is to you know even a fantasy one apply these things like war profiteering and put it in a fantasy setting mm-hmm. yeah and all of a sudden you have something incredibly unique that that doesn't really exist in a lot of different fantasy campaign settings mm-hmm. right and 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 uh you know, eventually, like Matt, you mentioned Bane. One of the coolest types of villains is the type of villain that sees the entire plan like a like at all at once, mm-hmm. while everyone up against them is only seeing where they are now exactly. on the roadmap. Yeah. And so, if you could somehow, I mean, how do you do that? Do you draw the entire roadmap and then 
start Man, the campaign. Man, that's tough. That's another mm. thing I was going to bring up is like my favorite villain is the one who's playing chess and everyone else is playing checkers. You know, like they're just like they're so far ahead of, of yeah. anyone who's w- going to stop them. But that's so hard to pull off in an RPG because I, like I'm an, I'm a smart guy, but I'm not that smart. Like I'm not I'm not I don't have a genius level villain intellect. So trying to figure out how to have a grand plan like that yeah is tough it's tough to do and it's even harder to pull off without cheapening it or without uh misleading the players to make them think something else you know yeah well i think one strategy go ahead alex no no i was just gonna say uh, the the way i've done it is to sort of reverse engineer their plan in right. other words start i was gonna say the exact oh, same yeah, thing okay. I swear. Yeah. so yeah, yeah so you start with where they where they where they're gonna end up and then right. and then say, well, how did they get to there? How did they get to there? And then build it backwards because, you know, in a way, you know the future. At least the future, if the PCs don't intervene, <laughs> this right. is what's going to happen. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then after that, it's it's a it's a little bit easier because then you only have to move plans a little bit side to side to deal with the the the, the characters intervening. You know, right. you, you can you you, ha- you at least have the the villain's plan laid out in general. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, it's a... it's easier to do if the villain has tools at their disposal, like we're mm, talking about, yeah. like the cor- like the corruptor in the Provokers campaign. It's easy because the Provokers are like, oh, man, he was already here. Well, he can fly. He's got a griffin. Like, of course he was already there, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it, it, of course he was there before you guys got there. So giving the villain tools in order to pull off a grand scheme like that makes it a lot easier to explain and and the players aren't like oh man come on that doesn't make any sense because well it does make sense man he's got a griffin of course he's flying all over the place hans gruber has a cell phone exactly exactly. call a person (laughs) (laughs) actually i don't know if he had a cell phone i can't remember what year was that no (laughs) he didn't have a cell phone he didn't have a cell phone that was the 80s yeah, uh, uh, I can't wait till they remake it, starting uh, Channing Tatum. <laughs> oh God! Ooh. Yeah, they already did. But wasn't he in a movie where he was? It was pretty much a diehard movie in the White House. Yeah, it was, it was a, that was what was that? Oh, that was that White Olympus House? Was that White House down or, White, or, or Olympus is falling? Uh, oh, it was one of the two. At the same time, it was. I like know that was weird. Imp- it was a deep impact Armageddon situation. <laughs> Dante's yeah. Dante's, Dante's Inferno yeah. and volcano. Yeah, yeah. Dante's <laughs> peak, not Dante's Inferno. Dante's yeah. peak and yeah, volcano. Yep, yep, yep. Dante's Inferno would be the most boring movie ever. That's that only intellectuals would like. It's just about a guy who faints all the time. It's like nine hours, walking nine hours long. <laughs> but but the other, the other sort of vector you want to look at with a villain isn't you know besides their level of intelligence and, and their plan is also and this is more has to do with the, the 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 mood of the campaign. How how dark do you want them to be? How right? Uh, you know, and, and this is kind of more like what. Um, you know, what's your setting like? Is it is it more pulpy? Is it more dark horror? Is it more adventure? You know, like uh, some, someone like Belloc from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark works great mm-hmm. in a pulp adventure kind of setting. Yeah. Um, he's, he's obviously the bad guy, but he's not like, you know, Hannibal Lecter dark, you know, or um, right. uh, like Saw dark, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... Uh, uh, just to touch on Saw a bit, that was I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the at least you know most of the Saw movies, but uh, yes. what I like about the the character of Jigsaw is that um, they did they did make him you know three dimensional. He wasn't just a, a serial killer. He was someone who he had a purpose behind what he was doing. And as you learn more about why he was doing it, you kind of like oh okay that that you know I, I can see that you yeah know, I can like see that makes I, kind of a twisted sort of sense yeah yeah yeah. Uh, and 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 even and eventually you don't you don't quite come to sympathize with him, but certainly, you know, you you real you kind of come to realize that if you had been put through all everything that he was, you can't say that you wouldn't have done the same thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and Saw yeah. One, just you know, for the record, is one of my favorite horror movies. Yeah. I think that's one of the best horror movies. Yeah. It, it, was, it was brilliant. So good. Because it wasn't just because it was just gore. I mean, it was it was definitely gory and and uh, yeah. visceral, but it wasn't just for gore's sake you know it had a great it had a great lead up to the to the ending where it's just like kind of a slow burn and then when the revelation hits you it's like oh of course like (laughs) yeah yeah uh the example of of belloc from raiders of lost ark is great though because he i don't think he even kills anybody no in the the movie he well i mean he doesn't he he, i think he 
I mean, he 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 lets people die. Yeah. But he doesn't yeah. he doesn't actually kill people. He's just kind of a jerk, and he just kind of gets keeps getting in the way, and that's really what makes him a great villain. Is like he's just one step ahead of Indy pretty much the entire time, and yeah. so it's satisfying when Indy finally gets the upper hand on him a couple times in the movie. Right. That is cool. I need I need to see that movie. Yes, again. you do. It's my all time favorite movie, man. <laughs> really? Yeah. Haven't you said that? Like, yeah. is that? You actually have an all-time favorite movie. It doesn't waver day to day. It it does waver, but Raiders is always in the top like three. It never yeah, leaves. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just it's a movie that it's just it's perfect. Like I wouldn't change a single thing about Raiders of the Lost it, Ark. Yeah, it's it, it just perfect. it just doesn't get old. I mean, yeah, uh, there's just so many great lines just, in it, and yeah, yeah, and so many great little moments, and just great action like the 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 desert chase scene is still just one of the best action set pieces ever ever put to film yeah and uh i just i love harrison ford and the character and he just really yeah he just nails it so raise the lost star five out of five 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 seven out of five seven out of five (laughs) uh so you guys want to take some questions about villains yeah Yeah, let's do it i think we gave so many vague opinions yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's let's try to make something it's just concrete. it's a big it's a big topic you know what yeah. i mean like oh, it's yeah. like there's Fun. so many ways to do it and there's no wrong way to do it really so i mean we could t- we could talk about it for 15 episodes and still not for land sure. on a definitive answer uh roll up and villain roll up and villain the definitive That's villain our new podcast <laughs> yeah, the definitive it's a side only project. The, it's arguably the best villain podcast out there. It's arguably the only villain podcast out there. That was Matt. I know you. You handed it to me just like I handed you the straight joke earlier. All right. So, Lucas N asks, "How would you incorporate a group of villains, Ooh. not just one, but many equals working together to do evil, like the Illuminati?" Hmm. I think first off, I would. That's uh, it's a cool idea. Yeah. I would I would hesitate to introduce all of them at once. I would mm. I would have it be kind of a slow realization that there's multiple people. Um, in the recent Star Wars movies, Force Awakens, there's Kylo Ren, and there's like a offhand mention that oh hey you're the master of the Knights of Ren, <clears throat> and there's like a flash of a bunch of guys yeah. with him, and we don't know what the Knights of Ren are. We don't know if they're still around. We don't know how many of them are there. There are. But mm-hmm. there's hints that there's, oh, there's more of these guys out there. And I think that's uh, doing a similar thing in an RPG, like, oh, we took out this villain, but I don't think he's the only one. I think there's yeah, more of them. Yeah. But a movie that does it really well is Scott Pil- Pil- uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With, where you you know there are seven mm-hmm. evil exes. Yep. But you, <laughs> meet, you, them one, you meet them one at a time. Yeah, it's perfect. One at a time, yeah. man. Different boss battles separated yeah. by story yeah. and campaign and small adventures. Right. Like, it just kills it. God, that movie is so good. It's awesome. <laughs> a really good way to lead up to it too is, um, especially in a campaign, is if you have the the, the players constantly fighting these the, the, some of the, all the minions, and of course right. at at that level they're, they're tough for them, but then they slowly begin to hear these names. You know, maybe they hear, um, you know, the the circle or something or the uh, the red fist or you know whatever kind of name you have for your secret organization that is mm-hmm. you know that it's running things. And uh, and then you can kind of begin to you know build on that as you go, and you don't even necessarily have to as a GM have the end result in mind. Maybe you just know you want this organization to exist, and then uh, you know, and then you kind of build on it and build on it. And at some point, maybe maybe you decide that hey, that baker that's a friend of theirs, he's in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a Cylon. <laughs> that's right. No. <laughs> Here's the thing is, <laughs> Lucas, the, the, I think the, one of the biggest obstacles you're going to run into on accident is names. Because names, mm, uh, yep. especially multiple names, are very difficult for a player to remember. Mm, yeah. And so what I might do is I might uh, take, like, chess pieces. Oh, we, you know, we got to go kill the knight. Mm-hmm. We, we got to go fight the bishop. You know, right. And they all have different rankings oh, inside yeah. this one order. Mm-hmm. And they're all named after chess pieces. Or they're all named after playing cards. Or something that's easy to remember and somewhat sinister. Yeah, like throw something. I can't think of any others. What do you guys think? No, but just, uh, I think that's great advice. Though is just keeping it simple. You wouldn't necessarily need to have it be connected. But like, there's the Baron, the Chopper. You know the, uh, you know whatever. Like another good example is like in Full Metal Alchemist. There's the Homunculi, 
and they're mm-hmm. named after the seven deadly sins. It's like super easy to remember which one yeah, is which because nice, they yeah. like embody embody each of the each of the sins. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen Full Metal Alchemist. Oh man, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is legit. Like one of the best shows. It's legit. Yeah, dude, and it's got the best magic system. The equivalent exchange you can't create something without destroying something else it's really cool mm-hmm. oh that sounds really awesome yeah i can i think the other thing you have to decide is if you if your uh if your group is going to be a cohesive group with a single purpose or if it's going to be more a group uh with uh at least temporarily parallel purposes right. in other words are these guys just working together because they they each want power and eventually they're going to start you know turning on each other or, or yeah. they, or, or are they really this shadowy cabal that that you know has this higher purpose, and they have, you know, some kind of common thread that binds them together, and they won't, you know, turn against each other under any circumstances. Right. Yeah. Like the Nazgul or something. Yeah, I mean, or the, or just a fanatic devotion to some something, whether it's a religion, whether it's a, an ideal or a, um, revengeance even or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope that helps, Lucas. Um, this next question, I want to try for all of us to give very specific <clears throat> answers because okay. there are so sure. many different ones. But uh, Martin H. asks, what are some original and organic ways to introduce the villain's backstory to the players? We all know the journal thing. The old friend mm-hmm. tells his story, <laughs> etc. But that can sometimes feel like, and I uh, quote, you are going to kill this guy soon, so let me give you the story dump, unquote. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, what are some or original and organic ways to introduce the villain's backstory? Hmm. Flashbacks. I like yeah. I like flashbacks and and cut scenes where you allow the players to play different characters, uh, other than the characters that they rolled. Right. Yeah. Just completely improvised stories uh, that take place in the time and place where the villain was coming up. Like it's, it would be <clears throat> almost like. Luke Skywalker's fighting Darth Vader and all of a sudden cut to Anakin Skywalker, you know, or, you know, Luke, excuse me. Here's a better analogy. Darth Vader kills Obi-Wan Kenobi cut to Luke Skywalker talking with Obi-Wan Kenobi and Obi-Wan says, why do I get the feeling you're going to be the death of me? Yeah. Like role playing those flashback stories, even when they're not directly related to the characters that your players are usually playing. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, just to clarify, would this be to get the information to the characters or the players? Um, it says players. Okay. I feel like he means characters because the examples he gave were uh, introducing a yeah. journal in the story or a, an old friend tells the villain's story. Right, so introducing the in-game knowledge of who the villain is or, or how they yeah. got to be the way they are. Yeah. They, they did kind of a good job of that a little bit in, uh, in the Harry Potter books mm-hmm. where... Um, you learn about Voldemort's history by because you have to learn, you know, where to find these Horcruxes, and they're all tied mm-hmm. to important points in his life. And so now they have to, you know, now they have to find all these Horcruxes so that they can destroy them and, you know, to ultimately kill him. And so that that's kind of a good way to do it because now you have to go and visit these places where, you know, a place where he grew up, a place where, you know, he uh, uh, learned his, you know knowledge that gave him power um you know find his family that sort of thing and so that that's kind of a neat way to do it if you want to do it in gaming you know for the characters yeah that's a really like good like tangible way to do Mm -hmm. it it's like you know going journeying to these different places but um mine is my my answer would be sort of similar to what you're saying barker and and doing uh you know visions and dreams Mm -hmm. and things like that you know it's it's really i mean they're they're easy to do but they're really versatile it's like you know uh the character has to um you know hold this certain stone or go to this certain place or drink Mm. this certain thing in order to learn more about the villain in order to better defeat them and in the process they learn you know hey this this murderous warlord used to be a little kid like we we tend to forget that but he used to be a person and learning more about them through that is is always a good way to do it and i think that Mm -hmm. you know any sort of process that the characters are undertaking to try and better understand a villain or learn about its yeah. weaknesses. You're ultimately just as a byproduct of that you're going to learn more about them. Yeah. But one, one kind of neat one kind of neat thing too is at, uh, this, this, this is this kind of going into territory of ideas you can steal. But like the uh, 
uh, if they're if they're going to all these places where the villain grew up or you know that were important to them, maybe one of the last ones they go to, they find they manage to track down like his mother who's who's still alive. Oh, you know, man, she, she's yeah. this, she's this ancient woman and she's blind. And she knows nothing about her son's evil or anything like that. She doesn't. He doesn't. She doesn't know what he's become, but she's just kind of sitting there in a rocking chair and you know in this little in this little shack and you know talking about him and 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 she just mentioned makes this offhand mention of when he was a boy he got this 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 scar across the bridge of his nose from you know playing with his brother or something like that and then and then they all kind of look at each other because the uh, the 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 king's uh, um, assistant there has that scar, you know, or something like that, you know, that they, oh, re- yeah. that they remember. Um, Back when old Voldy used to play with his friends outside. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was not... No one could pronounce his, pronounce his name, so they just didn't say it. He was not a good boy. He <laughs> was not a good boy, no. Very naughty boy. I don't like that's, a very, that's a very good idea, though, Alex. I don't like him. Uh, have them find someone who knew the villain before the villain became the villain, right? and they have no clue. You know? yeah. yeah, and they're talking about this villain like, oh, you'd be so, like, you should see his bedroom. Yeah, know? right, exactly. <laughs> and it's like nothing has been moved. It's like Ray Finkel from Ace Ventura. Everything <laughs> is still there. <laughs> well, and yeah, and and, and, and and even better if she's blind because she she doesn't see all the stuff hanging on the walls. It's really creepy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. all the knives oh, sticking such a nice out of boy. the boy. Opens the door. <laughs> the skulls hanging from the ceiling. Oh <laughs> <It's like, laughs> uh, yeah, he's a. He's a, he's a gem. <laughs> Actually, uh, Matt, you gave me some good advice a while back. You know, um, an organic way to introduce the villain's backstory is slowly. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Paint with broad strokes first and slowly fill in those gaps and give them to the players like it's a puzzle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, never, I never come to a campaign with a fully fleshed out villain. I, I like to think about what they look like, what they mm-hmm. sound like, how they act, what they're after. And then as the campaign goes... I'm learning more and more about this villain alongside the players. And that to me is a lot more rewarding and makes for a better villain in the long run than just having five pages typed out of like, here's this villain's entire backstory before the campaign even <laughs> starts, you know, <laughs> Barker's quiet. Cause he's currently typing on a document. It's like 10 pages um, long of a villain. I'm reading the next question. Oh, no, okay. I, I think that's a, I think that's a really good point. I like it. You just, you um, got you got suspiciously quiet there for a second. I was like, oh shit, did I offend Barker? No, not even a little. <laughs> yes, a lot. No. I'm um, doing my homework or something. Yeah, no. yeah, like, uh, hang on, guys, be right there. I was no, I was reading this next question. I have a bad habit of kind of looking ahead and reading the the, the questions that mm-hmm. have the next most likes and and the first. This is a two part question, and the first one we sort of answered. This is from Melvin V. But the the second question is sort of difficult. Like, I don't know the answer to it, so I'm going to throw it to you guys. Um, sure. Okay, well, yeah. <clears throat> so it's, how do you apply all the things you guys said for human villains, such as character, attitude, etc., mm-hmm. to more primal or animalistic beings like a Tarrasque or a non-sentient mm-hmm. dragon? How do you design villains who don't have a straight-out reason like revenge or yeah. self-centered justice without it seeming like another, okay, let's kill this stupid monster mission? Hmm. That's a good question. <clears throat> well, you, they can have other sorts of motivation that can be hidden. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, um, you know, you find out that the reason that a dragon is attacking a town is because, you know, someone stole her egg, you know, and they're hiding it in the town. That kind of thing. So right. that could be kind of a, a motivation. Um, yeah, or if you have like a big beast, like they're <clears throat> being driven from their home by another beast, or you know, a, a, a huge wolf got pulled out of its forest because they're deforesting a big portion of it for this new town that's being built, or something like that. I mean, you can even even a simple creature has motivation to do things. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's a really good analogy, actually. The uh, uh, the Scythians were a horse archer group of people. Uh, in the in ancient times that began invading the west and everyone was like oh my gosh these guys are crazy i mean they had elongated heads they were tatted up they had crazy hairstyles um and they were amazing horse archers and just ferocious warriors and but what a lot of people in the in the quote-unquote west didn't realize was that the reason they were moving into the west is because another bigger more badass tribe of horse archers Push them right. out of their yeah. homes. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that, you know, and that's when you see that kind of broad bird's eye view of it. 
it's like, wow, okay, now I kind of feel for these people. Exactly. And you can make them not people. You know, yeah. like Matt said, monstrous creatures, uh, uh, maybe a pack of wolves mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, uh, illiterate and uh, goblins who don't speak either, maybe, you know, and, and they're they're moving into the this kind of quote-unquote civilized territory because they're being pushed out by something else. Mm-hmm. And that can lead to a really cool campaign. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and, and if you're dealing with things like that are, you know, extra planar from outside that aren't from here, then it's, they're, they're kind of unnatural to begin with. They don't belong right. here. Um, uh, I, th- I don't know if I mentioned this before on the, on the, on the podcast, but uh, Stephen King wrote a great book called From a Buick 8. And uh, at, at one point, the, uh, the people in it have to, have to face this, this abomination from this other, you know, universe basically, and they 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 they, des- they described it in such a way um, that they they couldn't look at it without hating it. You know, there was there was something so primal about this hate that it didn't belong here, and they they you know it, it wasn't anything that was in the control, but they just looking at it and they, and they just they had to hate it and they had to destroy right. it. You know, they had no choice, right? Um, because it was so different. It was so it, it didn't belong here, and I think that um, you know when you think of things like from some of the other planes of existence, it's kind of like that. You know, this this thing yeah. does this thing doesn't belong here, and and right. they and they, but they they would think the same thing about us. You know, so it, yeah, it, it just total totally xenophobic. Kind yeah, of kind of. Um, but even, even even it could be even more extreme than that. But their motivations would be very, I mean, literally alien to us. Yeah. Well, and at the same time, too, I mean, that's a great point, Alex. Like, some of the best villains and the most terrifying villains in in uh, media are villains whose motivations we don't entirely understand. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, villains can sometimes be, like, defanged, for lack of a better term, when you over-explain like their backstory and where they yeah. come from and why they're doing the things that they do. It's like sometimes a villain is just a villain and it doesn't matter who they were 50 years ago. It matters who they are in this mm-hmm. moment in time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I would, I would, uh, you know, after we just talked for 50 minutes about how to give your, you know, villains more depth, sometimes the depth doesn't come from understanding the villain more, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It, it just comes from, hating the villain more, seeing the things that they're doing <laughs> yeah, and realizing yeah. it doesn't matter where this guy comes from. We have to take him down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and a villain and a villain, especially when you're dealing with things like that, aren't necessarily even a villain, really. They're, they're, they're an antagonist, yeah. certainly, but they're not necessarily a villain. Like exactly. If you have this, this group of extra planar hunters that, that, that show up on your world and you know, they're, they're like 10 foot tall giants, but they're, they're more, they're more, they're more predatory. And mm-hmm. so, they're here to hunt and and they they eat people <laughs> so yeah, exactly. you know they, they you know the party comes to their camp and you have all these these humans that have been you know uh clean gutted and cleaned and are hanging up you know being smoked for for meals and you have them just eating bits of them and just as casually as we would go out hunting for deer you know they right. don't think anything yeah. of it they're not being evil they're not here to to destroy humanity or uh uh what would be elvemanity or Dwarf manity, and if it, <laughs> dwarf, manity. dwarf manity, humanoid anity. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyway, they're, they're not here for sinister reasons. They're just here because they're 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 hunting. We need to get some food. Yeah. And, hey, these yeah. these are tasty. It, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Kind of something I mentioned in the last episode, where you know the the part one, you know, you you create the villain and you go ahead and have them do things that are against the characters, mm. and then second step is to make this person. Uh, be doing these things to feed their daughter. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, that's, you kind of end up with this rounded out character. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I mean, another, uh, we, we talked about Darth Vader before, before they made the prequels, we didn't know why Darth Vader helped the emperor kill the Jedi. We don't know why he turned yeah. to the dark side. We don't know why he wears this suit. All that matters is that he's a bad guy but yeah. he still loves his son. And he still is a very, by the end of Return of the Jedi, he is a completely, like, you feel for his character, even though you know nothing about his backstory aside from a couple of sentences from right. Ben at the, you know, in A New Hope. And mm-hmm. 
he's not he's not less of a character for not knowing more about him. And in yeah. fact, I would say that the prequels did more to damage Darth <laughs> Vader's character than they did to enrich it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, I know a lot of people listening are gonna be like, "Don't hit on the prequels." I like the prequels, and that's fine. You're allowed. Hey, that's okay. That's cool. But God, why? No. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys want to make an idea that people can steal? Let's Alrighty. do it. All right, I'm gonna pull this, this, this dice. Uh, do we have an idea of what kind of idea we're making? Or I was thinking we'd make a modern villain. Yeah, let's okay. make a modern villain. That All sounds right. great. Does that sound cool sure. to you guys? Unless you have a, a cooler idea than mine. Nah. Which oftentimes yeah. you do. All right, I'll be one through four. Alex, you'll be five through eight, okay. and Matt, you'll be the rest of the numbers. And that's a twelve, so that's a rest of a number. So that's Matt. Okay, so modern day villain. Um, this is a villain who refuses to be seen. No one knows his real name. He simply goes by an alias. Uh, no one has seen his face. Uh, no one even knows if it is a he. It could very well be a she as well. But this is a villain that is incredibly dangerous because there's literally nothing known about him. Uh, no date of birth, no uh, country of origin. But he is wreaking havoc and part of the mission that the PCs must undergo is trying to find something uh, just a scrap of evidence to go on to find out who this guy is and where he comes from awesome complete unknown yeah just completely uh, goes anonymous. by some sort of alias yeah could even be uh, could even be more than one person oh cool hey, hey don't 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 do anymore. Sorry, I was on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I just I rolled, but I I knew what I had in my head. Alex, that's okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, I'm going to say that the PCs immediately discover that uh, uh, well, the havoc that this that this person has been doing has has been seemingly random. Uh, you know, has been uh, blowing up. Um, uh, you know, public places and uh, destroying, um, you know, uh, monuments and things like that. And they can't. They, yeah, the 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 uh, the the authorities are at a loss to explain what these are because in some cases people aren't even being killed, so it's not even like a an act of terrorism or anything like that. So then they're they're they're, they're stumped, and then the then the 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 PCs uh, stumble upon the fact that at each of these locations there was something missing. There was uh, something unusual that the uh, that had that was not found amongst the wreckage, um, and they suspect that that these uh, seemingly random uh, acts of violence were used to cover up another crime. So they think he might be gathering things from you know uh, around around the globe to uh, for some for some purpose. Mm. Mm, I like that. Okay. Okay, that's me. Um, the alias that people are using is going to be uh, red. And the reason it's red is because at the rubble of each of these sites, there's always a red exclamation point mm-hmm. spray painted somewhere. And the things that are missing, um, we'll say, are people there's no deaths to be noted but there's always a person that goes missing Mm. or people that go missing around these uh events and we'll say that you know these kidnappers they're kidnapping people uh, capturing people to do some sort of evil thing when in reality We'll say that this person is gathering the forces for a revolution. This exclamation point. And these people who are missing are the people who are doing the deeds themselves. Which will be maybe the big crescendo moment at the end. And in fact, um, maybe perhaps they're uh, all held hostage or held ransom. Mm -hmm. Not ransom. Um you know, blackmail or something like that to get them to do these things. Or 
perhaps the system has just grown too dark and too corrupt that people everywhere are starting to kind of pick up the the red point and begin to make a difference in their own way. That's cool. Do you guys have anything else to add to it? Hmm. Um... No, one idea I thought of when you mentioned that people were disappearing, that maybe maybe there was something about their DNA that this person needed, you know, that that, that he's uh, oh, that's cool. Uh, trying to either trying to find specific DNA or um, they all have a similar DNA that he need, he needs something from that sort of thing. Right. That'd maybe he's cool. trying to resurrect an like a clone, use the DNA to clone a long dead like Attila the Hun or something, or Genghis Khan, whose mm-hmm. DNA is pretty much in almost all of us now. He's, like, piecing it back together. Yeah, that'd be cool. To create this, this old Yeah, I guess it depends on how sci-fi we want to go. It could, it could be yeah. all kinds of stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, true. Um, but, yeah, I think that's awesome. Nice. Maybe, maybe he's just kidnapping people because he wants friends. <laughs> maybe he just wants an, a freaking game of Battlefield Four that actually has thirty-two people that use their headsets. Yeah, the, these are all people. These are, these are all people who do really well at a specific online game, and he wants a real challenge, so he's bringing yeah. them all together. He's forming the <laughs> ultimate Heroes of the Storm guild. Yeah, either that or he he just bought uh, Sellers of Catan, and he's like, I need four players. I gotta get four players. <laughs> And, but he, he can't be the same four players. No. No. What if he's doing a, a most dangerous game type of thing where he's hunting <laughs> he's these hunting. people? I'm serious. That I know, cool. man. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Capturing people to put them on his private island where they where he can hunt them. Yeah. Or he's, like, taking, like, really uh, skilled or adept people in different fields and brainwashing mm-hmm. them to work for him or, or, or uh, oh. threatening them to work for him or build something for him or whatever doing a, a stockholm syndrome yeah like the experiment yeah. the uh the possibilities are <clears throat> endless are endless so that's the idea that you can steal if you'd like um but before we kind of close out here um i'd like to just thank everybody and i know that we we talk about this quite often thank all of you who have left reviews on our itunes mm-hmm. um that's huge and they're awesome and so like if you really want to support us we um Head over to iTunes and find Roll Up and Die and just leave a review. Uh, that'd be so cool. It kind of helps us, you know, get noticed and gets more people mm-hmm. involved with the discussion and on the Facebook page and asking questions. And the, the the more you guys participate, the better the podcast is. So that's right. You know, keep it up. Absolutely. We need you. Cool. <laughs> we need you like the desert needs the rain. <laughs> Wait, isn't that? And I miss you, like the desert. It's Hold on. hang on. You're gonna have to look it up. <laughs> oh gosh, taking up valuable roll up and die time. Desert. I think it's needs... deserts miss the rain. I miss yeah. you like the it's deserts miss the, miss the rain. Yeah, that's it. Like the deserts miss the rain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because because I, I miss you. I used to, I, 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 I used to deliberately miss uh, missing it like the deserts miss Lorraine. <laughs> I don't oh, know nice. why they would miss her, but apparently the desert's really like Lorraine. So. <laughs> I mean, they really Lorraine. Lorraine's been gone for a long time. She the, had, she doesn't answer the, her the, phone. The, the deserts yeah, need to get over it. They, Lorraine, they really you never you never visit the desert anymore, Lorraine. Deserts, you gotta move on. You gotta move on with your life. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Roll Up and Die, your super pretty cool RPG podcast. Ooh. Whatever you guys think. Uh, my name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And, uh, yeah, I, yep. <laughs> I'll, I'll stick in a sound effect in post. No. <laughs> <laughs> this show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2016. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other super awesome properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing sucks. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker is at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at absolutetabletop.com. 
Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog, and his work can be found on Drive-Thru RPG via Critical Hit Publishing. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form, as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die RPG podcast. Look for other releases of the show on Facebook.com slash RollUpAndDie, iTunes, and RollUpAndDie.Podbean.com. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming.